0: Today's episode is supported by the Smarter E Europe, Europe's largest platform for the energy industry. It combines the four exhibitions Intersolar, EES, Power2Drive, and E Empower Europe, taking place at Messe München from June fourteenth to sixteenth, twenty twenty three. Learn more online at www.thesmartere.de. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Policy Dispatch by Foresight. I'm your host Sam Morgan, here to guide you through the fascinating world of the energy transition. Now China is one of the world's great energy superpowers and has a mighty fight on its hands to rein in greenhouse gas emissions and build a net zero economy that will keep it competitive in an ever greener world. In Europe, One of the main policies that has successfully created a green tech dividend and finally made the polluter pays principle a reality is emissions trading. The EU system launched very nearly 20 years ago and recently hit 100 euros per tonne of carbon emitted. A reform of the scheme has now added the maritime sector for the very first time, as well as setting up a new market for road transport and buildings. It's exciting times for emissions trading. The EU ETS has its admirers as well because of its hard-earned success. China perhaps chief among them. A nationwide carbon market, different in design to the EU's, but still sharing the same DNA, was implemented in 2021 and is starting to build momentum. China may not want to build its entire climate effort on emissions trading like the EU has done, but it is still going to play an extremely important role in policymaking in the coming years. Today, we're lucky enough to be joined by Yan King, a lead analyst at Refinitiv. Yan has more than a decade of experience analysing emissions trading and providing essential market insights. In this episode, she's going to help us delve into how China's and the EU's carbon markets differ, what characteristics they actually share, why China's efforts might actually pay off far quicker than Europe's have, and why we may be on the brink of a carbon trade-in policy wave in other countries around the world. Before we kick on with today's dispatch, here's a now obligatory foresight quiz question. The EU ETS rules require the 10,000 installations covered by the market to reduce their emissions. By what percentage by 2030? Is it 42%? 52%? or 72%? Answer, as always, after the show. Now, let's talk China and carbon trading. So, Jan, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. It's really great to have you here to talk about emissions trading and China and Europe. Uh, Thank you for being on the show.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: I guess we'll start off straight away by talking about um, China's emissions trading system. Um, There's been this national market that's been operation since 2021, I think. Um, From what you've seen, has it operated kind of as regulators intended? Have there been issues? Um, What's your take on on what has happened so far?
1: Yes, happy to discuss. Well, China's national copper market really finally launched trading in 2021 after really a decade of preparation, a very long process. Uh, And this nationwide market, it covers the power generation sector initially. Uh, Yeah, basically all of the thermal power plants uh, in China. And yearly emissions are 4.5 gigatons. So that's roughly three times what's covered in EU ETS. Well, with the current scope. Uh, Yes, how how is the operation of China National ETS? Mm, I would say it is in line with expectations because, I mean, at least <laughs> the scheme is up and running and power companies, they start to get an idea of carbon trading and be aware of carbon costs. And in addition, the ETS will be of significance for capacity building to strengthen the emissions data monitoring and reporting capabilities of the thermal power plants and eventually uh, industrials as well. Uh, and capacity building for the authorities too. I mean, all these are super uh, important for China to achieve its climate goals. Well, having said that, <laughs> uh, I do uh, have some additional comments on, of course, China ETS has had some issues. Uh, well, some of them, I would say, are more, more or less every carbon market will experience in its infancy. Uh, and one example will be the rather uh, generous allocation and uh, allowances surpluses from the past two years in the China National ETS. Uh, well, we in EU, EU ETS are familiar with that, of course. Mm, but, uh, I mean, this it's always a learning process, of course. Um, but there are some issues more severe for China ETS and more China-specific, which are indeed obstacles. And I really wish uh, China ETS can overcome that. Uh, One is, of course, the lack of uh, liquidity and the low prices. China allowance price currently are at 56 Chinese yuan or 7 euros per ton. That's a tiny fraction of the near, we have near 100 euro price in the EU ETS. Uh, And liquidity is so low. uh, Well, we do have, we we do see an increase in liquidity in China's national ETS. Two years ago when it's getting what's getting closer to compliance but uh when the compliance has finished uh the liquidity has really uh, dried out and it's almost i would say it's almost embarrassing that some of the trading sessions with, with only 10 ton traded so 10 ton times 7 euros i wrote on twitter that if you have 70 euros you will be the king of China ETS for one day. That <laughs> is really just the lack of liquidity. But there's a reason for that test, of course, which is another obstacle or issue, is the little pro- progress on the policy side. Mm-hmm. So, yet I mean, the scheme has started, but it took so long time, uh, or after the compliance of the first period has finished, there almost has been no update on the policy side. Uh, although last month in March, we do, the regulator do released the new allocation plan for 2021 and 2022 emissions. Mm -hmm. I mean, 2022 has already finished. Mm -hmm. So yet here is an example of the lack of progress on the policy side and which also affected the trading. Uh, and, yeah, a more China-specific issue is, of course, um, last year there was a widespread story on ETS data fraud. Mm-hmm. In the ETS was discovered when some enterprises really fake their coal data and emissions data. Uh, well, I, I think a, a good sign is that the reg- regulator discovered that, and uh, there was quickly a uh, var- rather extensive uh, process to investigate and uh, I think since last year, uh, as also now, and there has been a lot of uh, sessions or push from the uh, environment regulator to strengthen the MRV or emissions reporting system of the ETS. Mm-hmm. So I think this is uh, in the progress of being solved, mm-hmm. uh, which will be rather uh, promising and helpful for the development of China ETS.
0: I mean, what would you say was the main philosophy behind China deciding to go for emissions trading rather than a different set system was it purely to for it to be a decarbonization tool you know much like the EU ETS is or, or was it more complicated than that
1: uh, the reality may be more complicated but as I'm a good carbon analyst and especially EU carbon analyst I believe it is the success of the EU ETS really uh, encouraged uh, China to choose the uh emissions trading system. Uh, as I said, I mean, China has been discussing the establishment of carbon markets for a decade and China established the pilot ETS since 2013 and China has collaborated very closely with the EU on uh, basically building up uh, and on, on how to build up the emissions trading system. A lot of learning from the EU uh, side. Uh, so I I think it's also as Especially in recent years, as we see what has been happening uh, in the EU ETS as carbon price gets stronger and stronger and incentivize decarbonization. Uh, I think this is a, yeah, again, the success of the EU ETS and, uh, and also how the market-based instruments can contribute to the climate goals, uh, definitely contribute to a, to a large extent as China choose this uh, ETS.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess after so long of having the ETS, we, we can already see mm-hmm. the decarbonizing impact that it has on certain sectors. Mm-hmm. Is it too early to see that impact in China or are there already like little clues that it is having a you know some sort of impact on, on helping to decarbonize systems?
1: Well, I agree with you uh, on that. It's really too early to tell the impact of China ETS uh, on the decarbonization of China's the energy sector. Uh, I've mentioned just now, liquidity is low, uh, price is low. I mean, what can a 7-euro carbon price uh, affect? And especially when all of your allowances are given out for free. And so that's one part. But one important aspect is that China's national ETS has a intensity-based target. So there is no absolute cap or absolute emissions target, as we see in the EU ETS. Uh, and so in the China's national carbon market, thermal power plants are given allowances based on emission intensity. So CO2 emissions per megawatt hour of power they generate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, this intensity-based target uh, could help to improve the efficiency. That's the efficiency of the Coal uh, fleet, and also because this uh, intensity or the benchmark uh, is will be tightened every year, it will decline right to trigger more uh, improvements in the coal plant efficiency. Uh, but I guess the caveat is that or the direct result is that. An uh, intensity-based targets cannot guarantee a decline
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the overall emissions of China's power sector, and we already seen that mm-hmm. uh, over the past two years. So we might still see uh, the overall emissions in China power sector could continue to uh, increase uh, under, uh, I would say, under the overall target of the country to peak emissions before 2030. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, here we see the contradictory part. You have the ETS, but emissions under the ETS will continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this, this aspect or this intensity based targets, when it will be switched to a absolute cap, we'll wait to see. Uh, but as for now, I think this uh, really limits limit uh, the uh, impact or of China's national ETS in terms of driving Mm -hmm. decarbonization.
0: I guess one of the most interesting things with the EU ETS is um, how all of these revenues Mm. are spent and how they're allocated Mm. once they've been collected, like the Innovation Fund or um, Social Climate Fund when Mm. it's finally launched. Um, Even though the revenues from the China system are obviously much lower because of the price, what happens to those revenues at the moment? And are there any plans mm-hmm. to, to allocate them to green technology, innovation, or, or something mm-hmm. like this?
1: Well, my answer will be very short, no, because all the allowances are given out for free.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so there is, yeah, there are no revenues yet. Um, but I, could, I would uh, say that there is a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, learning from the EU on how to use revenues from carbon markets to drive uh, energy transition, uh, there are uh, discussions already since in the past years already on I mean definitely uh, some uh, or there is the ongoing progress ongoing process uh, to uh, introduce auctioning in the mm-hmm. national ETS uh, and I mean this sentence has al- always been mentioned in several of the draft legislations for the carbon market, for the China's national carbon market uh, and it's I'm quite sure. It will mirror what we see in the EU with modernization fund or specific innovation fund. Uh, and, um, but I think right now it remains uncertain. Uh, my guess is that from 2023, so in a third compliance period of China national ETS, when it will cover 2023 or maybe 2023 or 2024 emissions, um, maybe, uh, auctioning can be introduced. Up to, but I think maybe a single digit percentage uh, of yearly allowances. I mean, this has to be a gradual uh, process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yet, so no revenue yet, um, but I'm quite confident the policymaker is considering that and we might see uh, auctioning uh, in the national carbon market. Uh, to be introduced very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I should add that uh, they are already auctioning off allowances in some of the pilot schemes and the revenues are definitely have been used in uh, energy to support energy transition, although the volumes are, re- are quite small yet. So let's see when uh, if the national scheme will start to introduce auctioning and setting up let's say different uh, funds uh, using the revenue to support decarbonisation uh, in the next couple of years.
0: Today's episode is supported by the Smarter E Europe, Europe's largest platform for the energy industry. It combines the four exhibitions Intersolar, EES, Power2Drive, and EM Power Europe, taking place at Messe München from June the fourteenth to sixteenth, twenty twenty three. Learn more online at www the smarter e dot d-y. that's really interesting that the the national the, the pilot schemes and the, mm. the regional schemes are already experimenting with this kind of system how are those uh, pilot schemes are they going to be incorporated into the national scheme what does that look like at the moment are they still running is there like an end end date for their operation or
1: yeah Yeah, I mean, it's a very important question actually you raised. Uh, So China has uh, set up pilot ETSs in several provinces since 2013. And again, these provinces are carefully chosen uh, because they all have different uh, uh, industry mix. Some has more larger, let's say, chemicals or steel industry. Uh, Some pilots have larger uh, power industry. Uh, So uh, these pilots were established mm, exactly to provide uh, experiences for the est- est- establishment uh, of the national ETS covering power and uh, industry sectors. Um, of course, the national scheme has started in 2021. The uh, officially, if let's say for a pilot ETS, if one sector, so now the power sector. Is already included in the national ETS, so a power plants in Hubei, Guangdong, they will opt, they will automatically opt out the pilot scheme mm-hmm. and opt in the national scheme. Uh, so and this will be the same for if uh, for more uh, industries. So suppose the national ETS will cover uh, aluminum industry from next year. Mm-hmm. So uh, and uh, this this plant, the industry plant in Hubei or Guangdong and uh, then they will opt out the pilot scheme and the same goes on for other industries um, but uh, and I think yeah again officially there will not be they will there will not be any more pilot schemes because we have the national scheme up and running and um, however the pilot schemes or the provincial uh, say provincial carbon market may exist for longer or coexist. Um, because one is that they could lower the threshold, right? So there is a sh- certain threshold for a installation or for a power or industry plant to be included mm-hmm. in the national ETS. Um, but okay. So what about the, the one that a little, just a bit below the threshold, but still quite sizable, uh, that, uh, I think Guangdong provinces, uh, actually, condom pilot they have expanded to slightly more industry sectors, uh, and they've lowered the threshold as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this Im- indicate that some of the pilot ETS will coexist and mm-hmm. continue. Uh, and thirdly, I think also on the local, uh, for the local pilots, what's important is also what we call the local offsets. Uh, so they may have their Let's say uh, provincial, uh, both as what we are familiar with ETS, but some local offset schemes. So we might see more provinces uh, moving uh, forward with local ETS and local offset schemes.
0: Mm -hmm. So there's there's basically there's no danger of um, certain sectors or installations being double charged under two schemes. There's kind Uh, of a there's a plan in place for. Different sectors to be incorporated in the national scheme if that happens and not be in the regional one mm. anymore.
1: Yes, definitely, definitely. Mm. I think that is quite clear.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was wondering about comparing China's you know, quite new system with the EU ETS, which is quite established now. At the moment, we have this reform nearly finished in Europe where um, maritime is going to be included, um, road transport, buildings in a separate scheme, a little bit controversial, as you know as well. Um, Do you think that China will be looking to see how Europe deals with these new aspects to the ETS to see whether or not they could also include them um, perhaps quicker than the EU has done over the years?
1: Yes, yeah, uh, um, that's a great question, especially for me. I'm almost uh, personally super involved in uh, comparing or in both EU ETS and China ETS. I've worked uh, for over 10, almost 15 years with European carbon market and also now with China carbon market up and running. And so I myself uh, was often consulted as well by Chinese stakeholders or enterprises on, uh, yeah, on uh, discussing the latest uh, development in the EU ETS. So they are watching very closely, follow very closely. And I observe a strong interest to learn from the EU experiences on how to strengthen uh, the ETS, how to strengthen the carbon pricing uh, system. Uh, and um, so one, uh, yes. So, but of course, when sometimes you get with uh, questions as to yes, uh, as we discussed just now. So prices in China ETS is so low. So yet, and how can we do about that? Um, my my comment uh, is that yet, but China's national ETS has just started, and it takes also uh, quite a long time for the EU EU ETS to undergo mm-hmm. several rounds of uh, reforms and uh, to make the uh, carbon Price to work again and uh, contribute to decarbonization. So yet, so one to be patient, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, second, uh, we do need to recognize there's a need to reform the ETS specifically for China, uh, and in order to strengthen the scheme. Uh, well, uh, yes, there's yeah. I also mentioned a strong willingness to learn as as myself have uh, in the. Yeah, as China National ETS has has started one uh one task I've done more often than before is to explain is to write articles in Chinese explaining uh EU ETS uh-huh. uh, because our uh yeah, a lot of readers and uh, uh yeah, contacts want to uh, learn. And mm-hmm. uh, so yes, all the latest de- developments in the EU ETS. Uh, expand the sector coverage and also let's say how to uh yeah one is how to move uh, uh how to use the ets revenues to fund uh the transition mm-hmm. uh, and yeah I I think like all the aspects uh, and of course the uh, yeah most recent is the fit for 55 mm-hmm. uh process uh so yeah i think that uh uh, they are eager to learn both policymakers and the enterprises. And of course, I mean, people want to have the, let's say, latecomer advantage, <laughs> right? Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, yes, so if the EU ETS is already including maritime sectors and buildings and transport very soon, and so maybe China ETS does not have to wait for 10 years
0: <laughs> yeah. to
1: do that. So yeah, learning from the experiences from the EU and uh uh yeah so i think that we um i think that uh, basically what is uh happening in eu its i would say both experience and lessons are called, are being closely followed
0: mm-hmm. do you think that there could be um almost a sort of chain reaction of um carbon pricing influence maybe we could call it that where china is eager to see what the eu is doing china obviously has um, enormous influence in different parts of the world in terms of, you know, funding different energy projects. Mm-hmm. Do you think that China's experience of the EU could then be passed on to other countries? who see carbon pricing as maybe a, an effective way to, to run energy policies, climate policies.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this uh, uh, definitely, I think the impact is, uh, yeah. So I, I guess this is the part when we measure the success or the significance of China's national ETS beyond its 7 euro <laughs> price. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, being the role model, uh, especially in the uh, APAC region, mm-hmm. uh, or driving, uh, let's say, even beyond the APAC region, I would say a success. Uh, the success in uh, China's carbon market uh, will motivate more emerging economies mm-hmm. uh, to implement the market-based instruments as well. Uh, in, let's say, as part of its climate policy. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess, but also I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, as, as we talk about everything about China, everything in China will be of China characteristics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so China ETS will not be the same as the EU ETS. Um, and one point I want to emphasize is maybe the introduction of a carbon tax Mm -hmm. but all the mix of carbon price and the carbon tax. And uh, let's say this mix uh, might as to how uh, currently there are are no carbon tax in China yet, but there are discussions too. Uh, And um, there are discussions of, okay, maybe we could use uh, a starting point of the carbon tax will be the traded price in the ETS. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's see, uh, I mean, this... Is doing discussion, but uh, in the next couple of years, let's say, let's assume we see a mix of ETS price and carbon tax in China covering different sectors. Uh, and maybe that could provide more experiences for emerging economies uh, as well. Mm-hmm
0: another interesting point that i thought we could talk about is the um the eu's carbon border adjustment mechanism yeah. the the cbam the um yeah. you know, a former carbon border tax that has almost been agreed as well um for the listeners um this basically means that certain imported products that don't meet certain sustainability yeah. criteria will have to pay Charges. Uh, it's a little mm-hmm. more complex than that, but that, that will be the gist of it. Um, Chinese imports, obviously, will be a big part of that, whether it's steel or iron or aluminium. Mm-hmm. Um, as China embraces carbon pricing, carbon uh, taxes, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. more as well. Do you think that there will be the objective of mm-hmm. avoiding CBAM charges by demonstrating to the EU, look, we are pricing carbon as well. It's perhaps not as um, Successful as the EU ETS yet? Do you think that that, that will be in the back of Chinese policymakers' um, minds as well?
1: Yeah, um, I can be <laughs> with among all the EU, EU climate policies, CBAM is a super hot topic in China. <laughs> as I say, especially yeah, this week when the Parliament plenary has voted through CBAM files, of the headline of CBAM news in Chinese, you wouldn't imagine how many they are. Oh, really? And I was interviewed as well. uh, Yeah. A lot of them. Uh A a starting point is everyone wants me to provide them them with the European carbon price forecast, Uh which I have. Of course, that's very handy. Then they use that and every sector, enterprises, steel, aluminum, they say, yeah, we need this EU carbon price that we do our calculation Mm -hmm. on our obligation. Uh, and, uh, yes. So then you can see how close it is being followed. And, um, then, uh, of course, that's why that this makes me confident that the EU CBAM will uh, speed up the sector expansion of China ETS, uh-huh. uh, to enhance its domestic carbon pricing uh, scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, uh, because at least you could deduct a domestic, even very low. Carbon price from that, Mm -hmm. Uh, and second, if we if China's national ETS could move faster to include the steel, aluminium sectors, uh, and in the future uh, the sectors covered in the EU ETS or the other CBAM sectors, uh, this will help Chinese enterprises or the exporters to um, to establish a rather robust again MRV emissions monitoring and the reporting system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it will make the expor- exporters a bit easier <laughs> when they export goods to the EU. Um, yes, uh, well, uh, as to the real uh, um, real uh, impact, I- sometimes I also mentioned an interesting aspect is that the re- reaction on c from China, we see it on, uh, we see them from policymakers officially they are against CBAM. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, uh, yes. I mean, it's a tariff and why would you do that? And <laughs>
0: it's illegal. It they shouldn't. Uh, yeah.
1: WTO uh, yeah. that, etc. Uh, uh, et cetera. I guess that's what officials have to do. Uh, but the enterprises, they are very eager and willing to be prepared for, uh, for CBAM mm-hmm. and not only for CBAM um but also because right then you both have a here we have a push and pull uh, issue because the, okay you have the external the pressure from uh, externally from the EU uh, but internally okay then look China's national ETS will also cover this industry sector uh, or so you are facing so as a uh, let's say energy intensive industry in China you are facing a carbon constraint world, either in China or outside. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, either way, uh, these enterprises have to be prepared for a low-carbon future.
0: Ah, that's super interesting that it, <laughs> it's like you say. The official line is, you know, yeah. this is no good. The WTO needs to stop yeah. this, but preparations are. Are ongoing, I guess. Um, maybe one final question. I, I always like to ask the guests mm. to maybe peer into their crystal ball a bit and, and you know see what things are going to be like in five or ten years. Which is great mm. because this is basically your job. <laughs> um, mm. in, in terms of the EU ETS, we always call it like the flagship climate policy for the for the EU, right? Something like that. Um, do you think that China will be in a similar position in five years, ten years, where? The national ETS is, is the, you know, the crown jewel of China's climate policy and, and what is really driving mm. changes that mean it can honor its, its climate mm. commitments and, and make its sector green? Or do you think it will be a bit more of a mix of other policies?
1: Yes, uh, thanks. And I'm glad we switched to talk about the future because the slow progress in China ETS in the past two years is a bit depressing. For analysts like me, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but looking ahead, especially this this year, is already more promising and encouraging. Uh, the yeah, I guess Chinese policymaker had said the ETS is an important tool uh, for China to achieve its climate goals. Uh, so it means the ETS will be important, but I mean using the EU words, China ETS will not be the cornerstone of China's climate policy. I am quite confident on my view mm-hmm. uh, so it will be a mix of policy instrument ets carbon tax subsidies uh etc as uh yeah that's that is i think the more likely outcome mm-hmm. uh, but the zooming in already uh, i think this year will be quite or in the next uh months or we will see more development with china national ets um So in March, uh, the new allocation plan or benchmarks has been uh, released. The official uh, benchmarks and benchmarks are tightened Mm -hmm. uh, from the previous period. So that's a positive sign. Uh, And uh, then the national offset scheme or China's voluntary carbon market CCR uh, will likely to be relaunched second half of this year. Mm -hmm. And uh, thirdly, Uh, maybe the ETS legislation. Uh, So, I mean, this is more nerdy stuff, but it's quite important um, because China's national ETS uh, regulation is still being uh, discussed and or in the legislation process at the state council level. Uh, So when that, when China's national ETS regulation will be released uh, later this year, uh, that will also lift up the scheme and also strengthen and uh, the scheme uh, as well. Uh, yes, uh, then apart from this, yeah, we'll, we'll still see the uh, expansion of ETS to more industry sectors. Uh, and the wider expectation is that in the next compliance period, uh, building materials like cement
0: mm-hmm. and
1: aluminum sectors, they will likely be the first batch uh, to be included Uh, partly because their data is simpler, and second, I guess it's also because the pressure from CBAM. Uh, Then what follows could be steel sector, or maybe some sub-sectors in the steel sectors, etc. So in the next couple of years, and also until 2030, we would see perhaps every year, let's say, there'll be announcement on one new industry sector Uh, is being included in China National ETS, so it will be even uh, bigger. Uh, yes, so I think that's here. But then, uh, yes, then uh, again, um, I still expect that the ETS and or for China to achieve, to achieve its climate goals, China will deploy a mix of policies. Yes. So ETS is one of them. The ETS can help to, Uh, strength in the emissions monitoring and reporting system of Mm -hmm. large emitters. And uh, the carbon price uh, or a carbon price determined by markets will send the signal. It may also be the basis for a carbon tax if China Mm -hmm. eventually will implement. Um, But there will be more complementary policies, renewables policies, uh, power sector policies, and energy efficiency policies, etc., uh, to work together uh, with China's uh, ETS. Mm-hmm.
0: So you think that uh, my seventy euros won't uh, <laughs> won't make me king of uh, commission <laughs> China emission trading for very long? And then if all of these things start to no. come together,
1: yeah. <laughs> no. So enjoy now. If <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> well, fantastic! Mm-hmm. Thank you, Yan, for. Um, Talking to me all about mm-hmm. uh, China and, and the link with the Europe emissions trading system, I think it's really super interesting to see how um, mm-hmm. this point that Europe was at 15 years ago, nearly 20 years ago, um, is now you know being replicated somewhere else and you know potentially improved maybe at some point. that's uh, let's, uh, let's see what happens. I guess. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Yeah, thank you. So I think that today's show yet again demonstrates that China is not the polluting climate laggard that it is often made out to be by certain pundits and media. Yes, as Yan explained in the discussion, the rate of progress is often very slow, but policies are being put together and best practices from other parts of the world are being folded into the debate. Europe's ETS works, so it is only logical that it be replicated in some form elsewhere. Before today's chat, I asked you, the 2030 emissions reduction target for Europe's carbon market is it 42%, 52%, 62%, or 72%? Congratulations to those of you that said 62%. Thank you once again for tuning into the dispatch. Please do check out Foresight's other podcast, What Matters, for even more energy transition insight. And I'll be back with another episode very soon.